Welcome to the Arena Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. To verse 6 and verse 7, it'll come on the screen. And what I want to do this evening, for those who have got a pad and a pen or electronic device, I want to give you uh, the title of it, and it's called Prince, King and Saviour, because he is all of those things. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. And this is what it says in Isaiah in chapter 9 and verse 2. It says, the people walking in darkness, they have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Verse 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Let me say to you, the, the, the prophet prophesied that there would be a light that would come in those dark places. In that place of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And then the prophet then begins to speak to the nation and begins to describe what the light is like. And he uses some wonderful statements of this light is Wonderful, and it's full of counsel. This, this light who is a person, he's the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. And he's the prince of peace. And in a few moments, I'm going to endeavour to just unwrap some thoughts around these verses. Before we go there, I was just reminded that at Christmas, I now am at that point where I'm saying to people, look, just buy me what I need. Don't buy me anything beyond that because it's a waste of money. Anybody know what I'm talking? You can't talk about, yeah, please just don't be wasting your money. I say to the kids, please don't be wasting your money on things that are just not going to be helpful. That might sound, I don't want to sound like I'm Ebenezer Scrooge or, but it's, it's, it's more to the point of what do I need rather than what do I want. And the reality is many people at this Christmas time, we've seen them who have been dashing to the shops, even in this COVID lockdown. We've realised that online has gone berserk. People have been buying and I'm not against that. We'll all enjoy the Christmas presents that are going to be opened. And I was saying in our Mansfield location, Andy gave me a a really great present actually because he gave me uh, an Amy Grant, that might not mean anything to you, an Amy Grant Christmas classic album on vinyl. And Amy Grant was somebody who I really liked. She was a Christian artist and it was just a great joy. It's been great to be able to, to play it. But many people are shopping and they're figuring out what they want, what they need. And if I was to ask the common man on the street today, who probably was in Belper, what do you need? They would probably answer generally, well, I need more money. I, I, need, I need food. Some people would actually say, I need food. Some people would say, I need a bed to sleep in. Some people may say, you know what, I want a new house. Some others who are a little bit more reflective may say, I want a new future. And others may even go further by saying, you know what I need? I need peace. I need calm. I need hope. I need joy. I wonder what you need tonight. I wonder what, it's, what you're needing from the Lord. And it's into this context that I want to speak. I want to speak with relevance and I want to take something that's over 2,700 years old 
these, these, these verses and I want to contextualize them into the context of where we are today. Because Isaiah in these verses was describing this darkness, this great darkness, this blackness. And really what he was describing to the people was an emptiness. He was describing a despair. He was describing a confusion. You see, at this time, there was people who were walking and politically and economically, it was uncertain. The people of God were in captivity. They were imprisoned. They felt futureless. And into this, the prophet speaks. But as I've already said, Isaiah prophesied these words 700 years before the coming of Christ. And we are now 2,000 years beyond that. And what I find interestingly about the Bible is some people say, and we'll get this on Alpha, please can I encourage you to get invited to get on Alpha because people have a lot of questions about the Bible. It's It's relevancy. And I want to tell you that when I read the scriptures, it's amazing because we look at Isaiah and it speaks into the distant past, Isaiah's time. It then speaks into the past which is Christ coming, and then it speaks into our present. It's amazing, because really nothing's changed. We're still walking around in gross darkness. There's still blackness around us. But I want to announce to you today, tonight, a light has dawned. And then verse 6, the announcement of the Messiah. The Messiah has come, you know, with fresh relevancy. I have dug over these verses, the gospel stories, as I said, to try and bring something of life and freshness to the church. And I have really got something new and fresh in my heart, David, as I've dug over the scriptures, because it truly is. The king has come. He is the prince. He is the king. And he is the savior. What I love about these verses is they don't just announce his coming, but they announce who is coming. And they show the kind of character that he is. Who he is. Can I also say another thing? Not just who he is, but who we need. And I really believe that this needs to be announced to you tonight. Sir, madam, wherever you come from, whatever your background is, whatever your Christian journey, whatever your faith journey, whatever your church journey, you may not have one. To your friends, to your neighbours, to your colleagues. To those who live on your streets, this is what they need. They need, let's list them again, the wonderful counsellor. They need the mighty God. They need the everlasting Father. And they need the Prince of Peace. Now I'm going to work at pace and I promise you I will. Because I'm very mindful you've got masks on. And if you get anything like me, you start to get a dry throat with them on too long. But I really do want to work at, run at pace, but I also want to not move away so quickly that we don't really capture the essence of what God is wanting to say to each and every one of us tonight. And I want to take the word prince. The last thing that it says is he's the prince of peace. And I want to use the word prince as an acrostic which basically takes P-R-I-N-C-E. And I want to just lay a point of the Messiah and who he is, because it describes who he is. So you're all clear where I'm going. Yeah, it's okay. Give me a wave if you're all clear. Are you all still happy? You're all still with me? Are you happy, happy? Put your thumbs up. 
I'm not going to ask you to put them down if you're not happy because you're just going to have to stick with it. But glad that most of you are happy. So P, let me just say, he is the powerful prince. He's the powerful prince. Isaiah 9 verse 6 describes him as the mighty God. And he is mighty in many ways. He is mighty acts declare his power. I could take you to multiple accounts, but we haven't got time this evening to do so. But there are many accounts in the scriptures, in the Bible, that testify, that prophesy, that announce the might of Christ, the Prince, the King, the Saviour. He is so mighty in so many ways. I don't know what you need from him tonight. I know what I need from him. I know what I need from him most days. And he is all those things and more to me. This is not just some rhetoric. This is not just some guy at the front who's got, you know, a bit too excited because he's getting excited about Christmas. I really believe this stuff. And in a pandemic, this is what I hold on to. He is a powerful prince. He is mighty in our lives. He understands our weaknesses. He understands our troubles. He understands your weaknesses and your troubles. He he understands the perplexities of your mind and your heart. He understands the situation, family-wise, that you're in. And he's able to sympathise with with us because the Bible says he walked amongst us and he was tempted in every way. Why? So he could really sympathise and understand us. And I really get a sense if I was to preach this to the town of Belper, I would be saying to them, this prince, this king, this saviour, he sees your pain. And in this Isaiah proclamation, there was great pain in the nation. I don't know whether any of you have been in pain or are in pain. I'm not just talking about the pain of sickness. I'm talking about the pain of heart, turmoil, disturbed in your spirit, We've all been there at times with different degrees. But I want to announce to you that he's the powerful prince. Have you got that? He is the powerful prince. And he is, I'm going to give you a few mighties. I'm going to go through them quickly. He is mighty to save. I don't know what your story is. But if you're trying to make sense of it, please get on an alpha. Keep coming to Belper. Please keep getting connected. But it might be even at the end, when I just lead you in a prayer, you may say, please be my saviour. Because I want to tell you that what he promises, he will deliver on. And as a young man, I just bowed my knee and he's delivered on that promise. He is mighty to save. He will bring salvation to you. He's also mighty to heal. I believe it still today. I'm still believing that there's a God of miracles. Even though we have lost people, loved ones, people in our church, we've had numbers of funerals, even this year, non-COVID related, people have died. Some people have died prematurely, but it will not stop me from believing and seeing that miracles do happen because for everyone that dies, there's another miracle that's taking place. This church, our church, our leadership, believe in the God of miracles and he's mighty to heal and whatever you need in your body whatever you need God to do I want to tell you that he is able thirdly he's mighty to deliver to overcome I'll come back to that he's mighty in his word don't just read the bible let the bible read you let the word of Christ dwell in you richly that is where your strength will come from 
If you feel like you're rudderless, it's usually because we're not full of God's word. And he is also mighty in work. He's the powerful prince. But not only the powerful prince, but he's the R. He's the royal prince. He's the royal prince. Now, if I was to describe royalty to you, I want to describe two kinds of royalty. And I'm not trying to be political in this. But the, but the queen, for me, epitomizes everything good about royalty. She has a poise. I'm not saying she's perfect at all. Please don't, you know, try and make it out that I am. But I think she just carries just an integ- integrous part of her life. I have to say, unfortunately, there's some of her family who probably haven't followed trait. So please do not be put off by the word royal. Because I want to declare to you, he is the royal prince. Now, some over history have occupied a princely place, but they don't have a royal pedigree. This is not so with Christ. The Bible describes him as the son of heaven. He's the son of the father. He is God himself. And his royalty is of heavenly origin. For he is the son of God. Yes, he was born into poverty. I've already said he identified with us, but he was royal in birth. And Christ is royal in every sense of the word. I just want to say this before I move to the third point. You need to understand this. He is royal in birth, but he's also royal in giving. It's amazing that God gave heaven's best. Isn't it great when you know you've given your best gift? At Christmas, I've done the very best I can. And thankfully, Caroline, my wife, doesn't get caught up in all that stuff. And neither do I. But she knows when I put a gift there, I've done my very best. And I know the very best gift that's going to wreck her, which I can't let her on because she'll probably listen to this. But there's just, and there's not really a lot of value attached to it monetary. But there's just thought that's gone into it. And that's what, that's what God did. It did cost him everything. It cost him his son. But he came and he gave. And he, he is royal in his giving. He is royal in his love. Oh, he's royal in his love. His love knows no bounds. He is royal in his grace. I'm trying to help my, my, my boy to understand this. We were just having a conversation driving somewhere. And he says, I, I wouldn't forgive them if, he, if that was me. And it was just about a context. And I went, son, what about that thing that happened a, a little while ago? And we had to talk about it. How would you feel if I felt that I didn't forgive you? He went, dad, I'd be wrecked. How would you feel if I never spoke to you again? Oh, dad, I'd be wrecked. I said, so in the same way, you need to carry the same grace towards this situation. And my goodness, that doesn't even compare to what Christ has done. When I think about the things that I've done, can I just look in the whites of your eyes? The things that I've done, the things that I've done, the things things that that I shouldn't have done. He is royal in grace. He's also royal in truth. He can't lie. He's not a man that he should lie. He's royal in action. And I want to tell you again, he's royal in word. There's so much more, David, I'd love to unpack, but because of time, I can't. Have you got it? He's the royal prince. Not just because he walks with pomp and ceremony, because he doesn't, because he be identified with the weakness of humanity, but he is royal in his heart and his character and his attitude towards mankind. But thirdly, he's not just the royal prince, What letter are we on now? 
Aye, great, Tom, but just want to make sure you're with me. He's the incarnate prince. I really could jump up and down and I'd love to have a victory dance and a bit of jig about this because this for me really just, um, just, just solidifies as a foundation this message. This is really important that you understand what this word means. I was, I was sharing this in, in a context about 18 months ago and somebody stopped me and says, I really don't understand what this word incarnate means. It means to embody. It means living in human form. God laid down all the Godhead, the Bible tells us, and became a man. And he lived amongst us and he came amongst us. Matthew 1 verse 23, it'll come on the screen. He says this, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. This is amazing. He is the incarnate prince. He came and made his dwelling amongst us. He was sent as a miracle and he was also born as a miracle. I was looking through some commentaries even this afternoon, just trying to get some more spice around this message. Just saying, God, is there something else that you want to say? And he was driving into the commentary of this word, born of a virgin. There were some commentators who said that she was sexually inexperienced. The, the, the commentator, though I was right, right, was saying a load of rubbish. Listen, she was a virgin. She was a virgin. There was no doubt about him because we're adults here, we can talk. There had been no interaction at all. So how can you find a woman to be with child who's had no interaction at all? This can only be the miracle of heaven. Can I grace a hallelujah just quietly under the masks? Let me tell you, he, he was sent as a miracle and he was born of a miracle. I love this thought when I think about the incarnate prince. He who was the son of God became the son of man. And he who makes the sons of men, which is us, whoever believes in him makes sons of God. Have you got it? So God became man and man not we became God, but we became sons of God through the incarnate work of Christ. By his birth, he became our saviour. And David has already alluded to it in his lead. This is the plan of Christ. We cannot disconnect. It really frustrates me when people disconnect Christmas from Easter. You can't. They are intrinsically linked Christ came as a baby and grew to be a man that hung upon a cross. And this was the plan of heaven. The incarnate prince amongst us. We see his incarnation. We see his crucifixion. But boy, oh boy, we see his resurrection. Amen. And I announce it again to Belper and these hills in Jesus' name. We announce the Saviour has come. We announce that he is incarnated and made himself amongst us. We announce the crucifixion he hung upon a cross. But we also announce the resurrection on the third day. And he's the noble prince. Let me just quickly say, when the Bible describes him as wonderful and counsellor, when he thinks about this phrase of counsel, let me just say this. A translator, and David would have a keen interest in this. 
The, the, a, a, a better translation of this word counsellor is a messenger of great counsel. A messenger of great counsel. It was said of Jesus when he walked among them that some people asked the question, who teaches like this man? And the answer was none. We've never heard such amazing teaching because he eclipsed them all. John 7 verse 46 says it this way, never has anyone spoken like this man. My goodness, he was noble. He was wonderful. He came with counsel. And oh, the noble love of God. That's all I want to just, again, for time to rest on. Christ is noble in his wonderful love. Christ is noble in his wonderful love. We must say of Christ's love that it surpasses all other loves. And I just really get a sense that we need to hear this tonight. He has a noble love. He has not left us, guys. He has not left us high and dry. This COVID will not beat the church. It will not beat you. It may come near you. But I want to tell you, in the midst of his all, of all his love He's noble. Can I raise just a, a away from your? His love is noble. His love is noble towards you. And as I was writing this message, I felt impressed to go to Romans 8 verse 38. We're going to read it together. It's important before we move to the next point. Paul writes to the church there and he says, So now I live with this confidence, this confidence of his noble love, that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. Nothing will separate you from the love of God. I'm convinced, he goes on to write, that that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles. Oh boy, have we had some trouble this year. And some of you are in trouble. Some of you may have married trouble, I don't know. (laughs) But there's trouble. And he says, nothing will be able to overcome you. Life's troubles, fallen angels, dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or our future circumstances that can weaken his love. Oh, this is wonderful truth. This is great preaching. Not because I'm saying it straight from God's word. It's wonderful. There is no power above us or beneath us. No power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. I love that word lavish. I think of pudding and my wife and she puts a bit of pudding there and then there's there's a bit of cream and I like a lot of cream and they'll pour it on there. I'll say, oh no, 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 no. Come on, lavish it. Lavish that pudding. Uh, Anybody getting hungry now? Lavish that pudding. It's the same with gravy. Anybody like a lot of gravy on the meal? I do. Put a lot of gravy. I like it lavish. I hope you're getting the idea. It's way more than gravy and cream. But this was not a, a, a skimpy thing. This was his lavish love upon us. He is the noble prince. Quickly, he's the conquering prince. He's the conquering prince, mighty God, everlasting Father, prince of peace. He's the conquering, conquering prince. He has the power to overcome all people, circumstances and dark forces. Some of you may feel like you're being held back. Commit it to the Lord. You may feel like you're up against in a fight. You probably are. 
Commit it to the Lord. You may feel like you're in a battle. Every day, come to the Lord. Why do I say that? Because he's the conquering prince. And I, and I know for certain that when I invite him to leave, I say, Jesus, just leave me. You go before me. I feel weak. I feel vulnerable. I feel all at sea. But you are the conquering prince. You, you lead me into this battle. And he says, Christian, you know what? I never left you. I will never leave you. And I'll go before you. Can I raise an amen? He is the conquering prince. So when we're thinking about the coming of Christ, We've got to allow these things to be in our hearts. He is the conquering prince. Colossians 2 verse 15 quickly reads, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, speaking of Christ and his public display on the cross, he made a public display of them. Who's them? The spiritual principalities and powers. And he triumphed them over them through the cross. He is the conquering prince. And very quickly and lastly, he's the everlasting Prince, he. He's the everlasting Prince. As I just draw this message to a close, can I say to you, each and every one of you, this has been something that I need to know that he is the everlasting Father. When he, when he uses that phrase, he's basically reminding us, humble people, that our Father. Our Saviour, our King and Prince, He's without beginning and has no end. He's in time and outside of time. Paul described Him as immortal, invisible, the one and only true and living God. And we have an assurance as we put our trust in Him that we too will spend eternity with Him. I've loved John 3.16. For those who've heard me on the broadcast, I think I've preached from it or mentioned it at least two or three times. It's come with me with absolute richness. You know what, Lindsay? It's really stuck in my heart, this verse. It's really gone deep in my heart because I absolutely have realised with fresh power and thought the potency, potency of John's writing where he says, for God so loved the world. That's you and me. That he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish. But have everlasting eternal life. He is the everlasting prince. And he gives us a promise of everlasting eternal life with him. I wonder what you need at Christmas. You might need a little bit, you know, of new pair of socks and... You might need a new handbag, ladies. I don't know. And there might be something more in, in, the, in the Santa's sack and stockings of, you know, Christmas trees and everything else. But really what I'm talking about is what do we really need? And I want to remind you again of the acrostic. I need the powerful prince. I need the royal prince. I need the incarnate prince. I need the noble prince. I need the conquering prince. I need the everlasting prince. And he is all those things to you and more. Let him be the light of your life. Let him be the prince and the ruler of your soul. I wonder if we just bow our heads. Time's gone. I want to pray for you. 
I too, like David, love the lights and the Christmas season. It's way, way, way more than that. And I know many of you are believers. I can tell with your response, you're Christians. You may have been for some time. Maybe this evening that I've not been able to read, read all the room and you may say, well, actually, Christian, I'm not. I've come as a guest. I want to just ask you, wherever you are, we ask the question again, what do you need? Could it be that you need this prince, this saviour, this king that was prophesied about? Because I don't know about you, but this preacher needs this prince. This preacher needs this prince. And whatever's going on in your life, I'd love to be able to pray with you and draw aside to you. We can't. But I know that I can't touch you, but God can. If you're in need tonight, while every eye is closed, please, and every head is bowed, this is not you coming to Jesus in this moment. This is you saying, Christian, would you pray for me? Something of this message is told. I need God in this moment. While every eye is closed and head is bowed, I want you to just raise your hand without embarrassment. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. There we are. Now put it down again. I see it. Father, in this moment, I pray you would be everything and more to each one of these precious, precious people. Lord, you see the pain? You see the confusion? You see the disturbance? You're not caught by surprise about any of it. But we just simply bring it to you. And I pray that the light would dawn on their lives and on situations. I pray, God, that you would be everything and more to them. That they would have a a rock-solid foundation at this Christmas time in who they trust. They're trusting God. They're looking to you. They're believing you. And I pray, God, that you would perform miracle after miracle after miracle in these five people's lives who've responded to you. May there be a breakthrough that happens in Jesus' name. And just while every eye is closed and head is bowed, if you just say, I actually don't need, I, I don't know Jesus, but I want to respond. I cannot let this time pass by. David and Jeanette know me well. Because I don't know everybody here, but I want to make sure that your salvation is secure. That you really know Jesus. You know him as your Lord. You know him as your Saviour. And I've already tried to, in just limited time, describe his deep love for you. So while every eye is closed and head is bowed, if you say, Christian, would you pray for me? I want to receive this Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. Just raise your hand up where you are now. If you already know him, great. Okay. Is there anybody else this evening? Yeah, okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for your salvation, power that is at work, whether it's a coming back to God, whether it's a recommitment, whether it's just affirming a commitment. Lord, you know, you know these precious people's hearts. You know what's going on in their lives at this moment. And I simply ask that you will flood their hearts with your love. They would be overwhelmed with the lavish love of God. They would be overwhelmed by your forgiveness. They would be overwhelmed by your grace. And Lord, you would fill them with joy. May joy be a hallmark of their lives. In Jesus' name we ask it. Lord, I pray your blessing upon your people. Continue to build your church here in Belper. You are at work, Lord, here. I believe it. 
You are at work in all the locations up and down the country and across the world. And we're believing, Lord, that in these days ahead, we're going to touch people. We're going to serve people. We're going to help people. We're going to bless people as you did while you was here on earth. So help us, we pray. Anoint David and Jeanette and the team for the task ahead in Jesus' name. And Lord, grant us a peaceful Christmas. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.